Window of Opportunity, Part 1 Welcome to 2030, brought to you by the World Economic Forum. Those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty or safety. Benjamin Franklin Imagine 1984 by George Orwell, combined with the opening scene of Half-Life 2. A dystopian reality where an unelected government watches your every move and has the power to deny you even the most essential goods and services if you ever disobey the state in any form, or your name gets flagged by an AI algorithm for any reason, be it your vaccination status, online browsing history, social media activity, interaction with another flagged individual, unapproved travel, or past purchases. Welcome. Welcome to City 17. You have chosen or been chosen to relocate to one of our finest remaining urban centers. I thought so much of City 17 that I elected to establish my administration here in the citadel so thoughtfully provided by our benefactors. I've been proud to call City 17 my home. And so, whether you are here to stay or passing through on your way to parts unknown, welcome to City 17. It's safer here. Welcome to 2030, where you own nothing and are kindly asked to radiate happiness and unquestioned gratitude for the mere fact that you get to participate in society. Of course, you don't have to comply with what the government kindly asks you to do. Just know that if you don't, your social credit score will decline and most purchases will be denied automatically and without the right to appeal within 48 to 72 hours. Other than monopolizing the worldwide infrastructure of resources, manufacturing, finance, services, logistics, etc., one of the key goals of the World Economic Forum is to make living outside of the matrix unimaginably difficult and unsustainable. Klaus Schwab would rather starve you to death than let you live off-grid, on your own or in a self-sustained society where people exchange goods and services in harmony, where there's either no government whatsoever or there is one with authority limited to an absolute minimum, a government that actually exists only to serve its people. You see, Klaus has a big problem with that. He doesn't want you to be self-sufficient, independent, strong, prosperous. He wants you dependent on the state, weak, scared, obedient, and susceptible to coercion into involuntary inoculations, clinical trials, medical experiments, and mandates imposed on the public under a false pretense of emergency, funded by you and everyone you know in form of ever-increasing taxes, legislations and measures introduced to combat climate change and other issues that members of the WEF address each year during closed-door conferences in Davos. We're in the year 2030. Klaus Schwab didn't like the fact that many of us were fortunate enough to own a car and drive it to a grocery store where we used to buy beef and pork for a Sunday barbecue. No, surely not in the fourth industrial revolution, the once upon a time infamous dystopian fantasy of Klaus and his co-conspirators that just recently became reality. Here's how they see it. You get to lease a car, which you will 
share with your neighbors so that at least four of you at a time could go to the store and buy insect-based meat or lab-grown cultured meat there or the Impossible Burger, whatever. That way, you get to reduce the carbon footprint in various ways all at once. Not only you drive an electric car, you also eat bugs and ultra-processed food, and you occupy a lot less space when you share the ride. When you write it down and then read it out loud, it sounds so ridiculous that you'd have to be out of your mind to not question any of it. In the year 2030, the real unprocessed food is reserved for Klaus and members of the World Economic Forum, those who insisted on ending private car ownership among ordinary people while they kept flying around the world in their private jets and feasted on the finest steaks at the most opulent restaurants. It's not like there is no real meat in stores anymore. There sure is, along with other genuine food. It's just so insanely expensive that only the middle class can afford it, and only on occasion. Remember when a steak in 2020 used to cost 10 bucks? Yeah, those days are long gone too. These days, a medium-sized ribeye costs around 50 central bank digital bucks, while its ultra-refined plant steak substitute costs only 5 bucks. So it's a no-brainer for most of us average folks. Cultured meat is about the same price as the insect-based meats and plant whatever. So it's not like we don't have choices. Quantity is not the issue. Quality sure is, though. Cancer is diagnosed so often that people are afraid to visit their doctor for any reason. Media remains silent about all of it. Instead of even attempting to do the right thing, all those scumbags do is keep protecting the interests of their masters by pushing the same old propaganda through meaningless commercials and deception. Cancer? That must be from red meat and exposure to sun. Myocarditis? That must be climate change and all that barbecue meat. Sudden adult death syndrome? HIV? That's from all those unregulated supplements. No one in the media mentions anything about big pharma experiments gone wrong, like those few pandemics we had over the past 10 years. I still remember how people back in 2022 thought they've already seen the worst. Few anticipated what came after. Millions of animals euthanized. Thousands of acres of crops burned to the ground. Lockdowns. Arrests. Military curfews after 10 p.m. Food, water, and energy shortages. It took them less than 10 years since the first outbreak of COVID-19, the event now almost entirely forgotten by all the remaining media to put everything in place. You won't hear a word on CNN about the grave consequences of mRNA injections because those clowns still get their checks from the big pharma cartel and the cartel still earns enormous profits from its contracts with governments for lifetime supplies of mandatory mRNA shots. Believe it or not, there are still some people out there who visit their doctor or pharmacist twice a year for a C-19 booster. Some of them died within few years. Others either kept going or at some point woke up to face the truth. Most of those who survived eventually realized what all that shit was actually about. Unfortunately, some are still buying into the same old fear-mongering ten years later.
population has been decimated by hundreds of millions over the past decade, and those are official estimates. Some conspiracy theorists say the big pharma, along with government interventions, have altogether killed upwards of two billion people. Sudden adult death syndrome is by far the most common cause of death in 2030. The mainstream media, as usual, instead of doing the actual journalism, continue to do what they always do: normalize sads and all that awful shit among the people, and blame everything but the very things that do all the damage. No one knows the real numbers, and many are so terrified that they never look into it. Given that our online activity is linked to our social credit score, I don't blame them. Anything on the governmental list of conspiracy theories is prohibited from access. Back in the day, they used to put disclaimers and fact checks under videos, but now the AI algorithm immediately deletes anything that goes against the official narrative. Most people are afraid of the state, and each year the state spends more on security. Our taxes fund their armed police, and there's nothing we can do about it, because those uniformed pawns are just following orders, as usual, and their jobs are some of the few that pay above the average salary. It was obvious ten years ago, when most of them agreed to take experimental shots, that they would follow whatever instructions are thrown at them just to pay the bills. They put their paycheck above safety of everyone else. About the future of humanity, I don't think those people will ever wake up. They're way too brainwashed, and their livelihoods are way too dependent on well-being of the state. Therefore, instead of standing up to the corrupt authority, they will always protect it, because it offers them a false sense of safety, just like big pharma offers a false sense of safety to those who still take their products. Ten years down the road, media still won't mention a single word about healthy lifestyle, diet, staying away from alcohol. They want you to drink booze, eat junk food, and get diagnosed with diabetes or other lifelong condition, because a healthy person is of no use to them. Unhealthy people generate the largest profits, especially those hooked on prescription drugs for life. As long as the cartel makes money, no one gives a fuck about anyone's health. That's obviously why the big pharma still has no cure for cancer. That's also why their C19 shots were designed in a way that would require boosters every few months. Not to mention what is now obvious: not only those shots didn't protect the injected from anything, they also caused serious damage to many of those who took them. The cartel has already invested so much in the infrastructure for vaccine testing and passports that it generates them steady tens of billions in profits each year. As long as you wish to participate in society, there's hardly any way around it. You just have to agree to be experimented on in exchange for a vaccine passport. The only way to get access to most places. Without strong governmental or corporate connections, it's near impossible to get an exemption. And doctors surely won't help you with one either, since their income depends almost entirely on the amount of people they inoculate or prescribe some shit no one needs. That's where the money is, and those doctors make so much that 
quitting the industry doesn't exist on their list of options, as it would leave them without a chance to earn anywhere near as much ever again. After all, that's what each of them dedicated almost a decade of their life to. Medical school consumed so much of their time, energy, attention and brain power that they never had time to truly focus on anything else. It works that way by design. The amount of information presented to the students is so overwhelming that they don't have much time to analyze any of it too deeply. Instead, they're encouraged to memorize information and apply it in various basic scenarios. Also, as widespread implementation of AI into medical industry dramatically improved the quality of healthcare and accelerated research on surgeries and devices, the real doctors started becoming less and less involved in the process. As much as the Earth's population has been declining, the quality of healthcare for those who can afford it keeps improving. Things don't look as promising to those on government-funded healthcare, though. Ever since Big Pharma monopolized the medical industry, including medical schools, visiting a doctor has become a legitimate life-threatening risk, since you never know what sort of damage those prescription drugs will do. You never know which of those are bioweapons designed to kill you slowly, and Big Pharma won't tell you anything. They're exempt from any liability for products they issue under emergency approval. And given how many emergencies we've been through over the past decade, you'll find more emergency use approved drugs than those approved by a legitimate process. The cartel is also working extremely hard to monopolize the market of supplements, many of which are already blacklisted by FDA and other regulatory authorities. The monopolized ones are regulated so heavily that once your digital wallet shows more than two transactions of purchased supplements, you are required to schedule an appointment with a doctor for a mandatory blood test to ensure that you're within the allowed usage limits. And if you exceed those, you get sanctioned, just like with other allowances set by the state. It's all part of the smart grid, the infrastructure that connects all that shit together social credit system, vaccination status, carbon footprint, food consumption, everything linked to your digital wallet. Everything operates on the smart grid and everything is connected to the internet 24-7. Not just your car or phone, but also your fridge, vacuum cleaner, central heating, electricity, gas, water, everything feeding data to your digital wallet and passport, which itself also includes lifetime of location data from your phone, lifetime of online transactions, all your medical records, and every other part of information about you that the state can collect via corporations. Again, the government is not forcing you to participate. You don't have to comply. If you don't like or can't afford to share a leased Tesla, then you can walk or take a bus. And given that most people are on universal basic income, you probably can't even afford to share the lease with your neighbors. UBI is usually around $1,000 a month, so it barely affords you ultra-processed food, let alone a car lease or an apartment in a nicer part of whichever smart city you were allocated to after the economy collapsed. Most people live below poverty line, 
But thankfully, the government, in partnership with big tech, managed to provide every one of us with a VR set that's connected to Metaverse via 5G. So now, everyone gets to live in their own virtual realm and just stay there most of the time, isolated from the burden of reality. And to make things even more entertaining, they're now rolling out 6G, which should solve many connection issues that the early participants in brain-computer interface human trials struggled with. Those trials began a few years ago on 5G, which wasn't as stable as they predicted. Cut the long story short, 5G wasn't ready for the BCI. But more on that later. For now, most of us still use smartphones and VR headsets. The United States still don't have national healthcare funded with taxpayer money, which is why the US government followed the example set by Canada and introduced state-funded euthanasia for those who can no longer afford to live with dignity. Of course, the state won't spend any meaningful amount of money towards improving quality of life of those who make its existence possible. After all, apparently, Without the taxpayer's money, the government would not be able to exist and operate. Because apparently, the main source of government's income is the money from taxes. That's what they tell you, so it must be true, right? What they don't tell you is that every now and then, they just print new money in quantities that are easier to weigh than count. And that commercial banks do the exact same thing with digital money in form of loans, which they generate out of thin air each time a new loan agreement is signed or anything is paid with a credit card. Governments also borrow money from banks, offering bonds as collateral, except in case of those loans, it is once again the taxpayers who end up paying those off. Your government's favorite excuse is obviously that it does everything for the good of the people and sometimes things just don't work out as planned, which is fine anyway because that's all calculated in advance into the budget along with other fuck-ups and incompetence of those employed in the bureaucratic chain and the system itself. Don't like Beyond Meat or a cricket pate? There's plenty GMO vegetables in the store. Also, don't forget that the social credit system is directly linked to your social media, so you probably won't find many honest reviews of products, food or services. It's common knowledge at this point that the internet reviews shouldn't be trusted, because no one wants to risk losing access to their digital wallet or get blacklisted, which means they wouldn't be able to order food from most takeaway places or buy anything in most of the remaining grocery stores. All businesses are either owned by major investment funds or they operate under extremely tough guidelines of the World Economic Forum, so that everyone plays by the rules and meets the carbon quota set by the WEF. And those who fail to keep up with the guidelines are hit with catastrophic sanctions, with most businesses unable to survive even one of those. And for all that, you have no one but yourself to thank, since you've done absolutely nothing to stop it. Why? That's a fair question, and I'm sure every one of you has a different answer. Most of you didn't do anything for the sake of convenience because it didn't seem to affect you directly at a time, 
or because you just couldn't give a shit. Many of you didn't do anything because of a false sense of safety the old system offered you, because your entire livelihoods were built on that system, so you never really wanted to entertain the thought that it could ever collapse. And some of you are just lazy cunts, incapable of any critical thought, fully immersed in the metaverse, where you get to live your fantasy, while in real life you're not even mediocre, you're just miserable. Again, I don't blame you. I can see how easy it was for you to give up without even trying to do anything about it. You were conditioned since birth to believe that you're small, meaningless, and totally helpless on your own. You were conditioned to weakness via entertainment, social media, and convenience. They programmed you to believe that you're insignificant and incapable of thinking outside the box because they don't want you to take a chance and potentially find out how much you could actually accomplish on your own. There is never any guarantee that things will work out in your favor. To most, the risks outweigh the reward, so they never even try. But in fact, the chances are a lot higher than what they want you to think. Even now, in 2030, when I look back and remember how everyone used to bitch about how hard they have it in 2019 and how they miss the good old days, I remember how I used to lose my shit over the most trivial things. For example, because I couldn't figure out some calculation that no one gives a fuck about anymore and that didn't mean anything back then. Or when a Wi-Fi connection kept dropping randomly, despite it supposedly being a super-fast broadband package up to 100 megabits per second, or whatever the fuck it was. Speaking of the internet, it's surely improved in every way, but there are still times when I have a conversation with someone who, a few years ago, chose to take part in the early brain-computer interface trials and had an AI chip implanted in their brain. And when I talk to one of them, I can see how their internet connection drops and their cognitive functions slow down, or the operating system freezes entirely. Most of those early participants have died within months of getting PCI implants, mainly due to complications, tumors, or failed software updates. Understand this. With the BCI technology currently being used, the operating system directly linked to your brain requires regular software updates that are downloaded from a server and stored on a BCI cloud. Sometimes during the installation process, internet connection can get interrupted and in a situation where it can't reconnect, the system resets back to its previous update. And if that fails, all hell breaks loose. Apparently, serious malfunctions are extremely rare, at least according to the media, but I remember when the media used to say the same thing about those mRNA shots that ended up decimating population and are still doing so. I also remember how they spinned everything with help from WEF-operated governments to make those of us who kept asking questions sound like lunatics. Some of it backfired. But a lot of those attempts to discredit us eventually did some damage. I'd say that's because most people still don't have a fucking clue about anything beneath the surface of bullshit they're fed on a daily basis like a bunch of chickens, confined in a cage and fed through a straw. The main difference is the size of a cage. 
Ours is much larger and nearly invisible to those who never think about it. And that, again, would be most people. We have it ingrained in our minds to strive for comfort and focus on entertainment. It's not by mistake, and it definitely isn't natural. It's a result of decades-long projects focused on brainwashing and programming of the masses. We have been continuously experimented on ever since World War II ended. That's when the CIA and Deep State started all that shit. NASA, Apollo program, DARPA, mainstream media, television, military-industrial complex, prison-industrial complex, mass surveillance, internet, psychological operations, entertainment industry, war on drugs, and the list goes on. It's all the same people who've been fucking everyone over for as long as history goes. Club of Rome, World Economic Forum, big corporations, inbreds behind the curtain. The cancer of our time, those parasites, reap the largest profits when the people suffer. To them, we are nothing but tax cattle, workers, and consumers. Go to school, get programmed into obedience, pass the indoctrination exams, go to college or learn a skill, open a bank account, then go to work, pay taxes, buy products, get a credit card and a car lease, get promoted at work, get married, get a mortgage, buy more shit, and before you know it, you're enslaved to a bank for 30 years and everything depends entirely on that job, which at this point has worn you out so much that you wonder what starting a new life in Thailand would look like. Eventually, some of you get depressed, talk to your doctor, get on prescription drugs, get side effects from those drugs, then get more drugs to suppress those side effects. You know what comes next. Nothing good. Some get to dodge the bullet. Many get on lifelong prescriptions. Others get diagnosed with cancer. And most of those get killed by chemotherapy before the disease itself would ever get a chance to do any damage. Because when the cartel was putting it all together, your health was never a priority. They just want you to remain alive for as long as you're able to generate profit. The moment you become a financial liability to the state is the moment you become expendable. And that's why everything is engineered with a slow kill in mind. Food, water, cosmetics, everything contaminated with life-shortening shit of all sorts. And when conspiracy theories about the Great Reset started turning into facts, when people started waking up to atrocious consequences of the big pharma experiments, when they finally realized that their fate, along with fate of the generations to come, was jeopardized by the greed of government and the cartel, it was already too late. The infrastructure was already in place, and when the old government delivered on its last orders, transition to the new system was smooth and violent at the same time. It was smooth for those in charge, and violent for everyone else. But especially for those who didn't see any of it coming. The dumbest and most unhealthy people were the ones who suffered the most. Some died instantly due to food shortages and all the supply crises caused by the cyber pandemic and other events. 
Others succumbed to health complications following countless experimental injections that were meant to protect them from all those deadly diseases that decimated the world population over the past 10 years. I couldn't even count how many events we've been through. Remember COVID-19? I know that some of you will say that those were the good times. But the truth is, that's when all this dystopian nightmare we now call reality began. That's when conspiracy theorists talked about Bill Gates and his decade of vaccines, about the World Economic Forum and its prognosis that by 2030 we will own nothing and be happy. They were right about one thing for sure. <laughs>